Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your week discussion on motoring news. This is episode 243 on Tuesday, the 19th of March, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And whilst this is a quiet week for news, we'll still be watching the phrases we say, and we'll also be seeing how the ramifications of Dieselgate are still hitting VW. Also, we'll remind you that it's the last week to enter our competition, and we learn to say a name. That's all later on, though. Although I'm not sure it's correct, but never mind. Uh, well, we can open that to the floor later. Yes. Right, right. Dieselgate. Only one little tiny bit of follow-up here. Well, well, it's tiny as is one article, but it's not a tiny thing. <laughs> In the US, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, has now brought a lawsuit against Volkswagen because they have misled investors by issuing billions of dollars worth of bonds and securities without disclosing that it had cheated emissions testing. Now, there was already... There's already this going on from investors in... Germany. In Germany, but this is the first time... It, and I know they're being investigated at a higher level in your in various places in Europe, so... But this is the first time that a government agency has gone down this route. And it's the old adage, do not anger the old money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the main thrust of this is that the SEC is saying that Volkswagen, and there's a quote here, uh, reaped hundreds of millions of dollars in benefit by issuing the securities at a more attractive rates for the company to do with securities that are issued in the US because... The SEC is saying that they must have known that they were manipulating emissions tests. Yeah, and this the, not only is Volkswagen being charged, but Winterkorn, the ex-chief of VW, has also been charged. However, there's no extradition, as we know, directly from Germany to the US. So don't go on holiday into Florida would probably be a suggestion for Mr. Winterkorn to add on yeah. to his other places in America he shouldn't go and visit because he's got outstanding warrants or whatever they're technically called. But they, they also look to get – the SEC also want, and this is another quote, ill-gotten gains recovered <laughs> along with civil penalties and interest. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of hopefulness in there. Uh, the thing about this is it's not about the cars at all. And I don't know. This happens in lots and lots of com companies. I think this one is a bit bandwagony. I still want to know what happens to these fines. I mean, do they go to the Securities and Exchange Commission or, or what happens? Do they go towards, you know, a, a wall? With some of them, they, they've been directly agreed that some of the money goes for clean, not with the SEC one, obviously, because that's not happening no. before, but the previous Dieselgate ones, some of the fines are directly associated with sort of green technology initiatives and they're, they're basically funding them and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So there is a direct benefit to society, if you see what I mean. Yes. From yes. the money that has been gained. So, Yeah, rather than Mexican walls, as I said. Yes, yeah. quite. But now on to new news, and it's not great news, unfortunately. No, it's, it's not the greatest news. Uh, Ford has been confirming job losses as part of its big uh, restructuring and reorganization in Europe. It's announced that it's going to cut more than 5,000 jobs in Germany, and also a yet-to-be-determined, according to James Atwood in Autocar, uh, number here in the UK. They've started off by initiating a voluntary redundancy package. The idea is to try and cull down uh, the models which aren't doing so well 
uh, here in Europe and, of course, to boost production of those that are doing well yeah. uh, there. So it, it's a pretty pretty chunky reorganization in the offing. Uh, right at the minute, they do employ about 53,000 people in Europe, to give you an idea of the, the context of the numbers. Uh, about 12,000 of those are in the UK, about 24,000 in Germany. So, uh, so yeah, that's what's happening there. Yeah, they want to they want to cost cut about fourteen billion pounds globally, which is a fair chunk of change. Yes, it is, but it's not in one year and it's not in one go. No, no, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know this is a plan, but I think they're having to move relatively quickly for a company of this size because ever since the new chaps come in at Ford, there's been lots of talk about the investors in America really unhappy with what mm. he's doing and how he's doing it. But then they've been unhappy with everybody in Ford apart from um, Mulaney. They are generally on. For the, for the time he was in, in there. So, again, if, if you allow the... If you allow the markets to dictate your policies, mm-hmm. then you know you—that's tough luck, isn't it? Well, there's always a drive towards the bottom. Sorry, uh, it, yes, yes, it is because it's the only metric they they go by is growth. Yeah, which I absolutely hate as a metric because it sucks. Well, it's caused so many problems. It's diesel cake course was growth. <laughs> yeah, it, it's what values Tesla above Ford. For example, mm. it's one of the things. Somebody's going to chip in and say, "Yeah, but Ford has loads of liabilities that Tesla don't have, doesn't have because of you know pension schemes and all these kind of things." And yeah, you're right, but it's a big factor in it. Yeah, yeah. I can't work out what time period that 14 billion is over. Um, if anybody knows, do feel free to let me know. Yeah, because they're going to also split the businesses across Europe into uh, commercial vehicles, which is doing a cracking business mm. for Ford in the in Europe. Uh, passenger vehicles, which has obviously struggled more recently, and imports, yeah. which okay. I'm well, not... that's stuff like the the Mustang, I guess. Yeah, it's not a Ford of Europe vehicle. It's, isn't the Cougar a worldwide one, or is that the Echo Eco or whatever? However you pronounce it, thingy sport. Echo. The Echo Sport is is an is an India. It's the Eco Boost engine, and it's the Echo Sport. The yes, Echo Sport. Yes. I'm told. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <sighs> Make it easy for us, guys. Go on. Yes, please. We can, we can do more than one word. <laughs> it's all right for these print journalists. I'm, sometimes I'm so jealous these people just write things don't have to care about how it's pronounced. Yes, we didn't think that through when we said we'd do this. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> especially yeah. especially well, now there's all the Nissan problems. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was going to do the Japanese ones are a particular highlight. <laughs> oh, but I, I feel more confidence mentioning a few German words now, though. So I'll, I'll thank you yes. for that in the last three and a half yes, years. I, I, and I've, yes, quite. I've <laughs> learned a lot of that. Right, more new news. And this is that Jaguar Land Rover are having to recall many thousands of vehicles. In the UK, there's going to be 44,389 vehicles recalled because of false CO2 figures in the official certified testing that they were they underwent previously. And, yeah. and this was under the NEDC cycle test. So it's before the WLTP. Oh dear, any more acronyms we can throw at this? Before that happened. Uh, so, because these are cars uh, that are between, I think, 2016 and 2018 that are affected. 
there's uh, it's mainly the diesels, but there are some petrol uh, versions yes. involved. Now they're all on average they're within two percent of the of the officially recorded figure. So yeah, so it was it was pretty close. Yeah, so they, these are not major changes and secret changes, and, and JLR are trying to make it really clear what the potential outcomes could be and just what the tweaks are. So generally, they're about lowering the standard idle yep. temperature, uh, t- temperature, standard idle speed. Uh, that I know what I'm saying. I'm thinking three points ahead. Uh, so it's about l- lowering the standard idle speed. Uh, they say that that could make uh, diesel cars a bit noisier in cold starts and at low temperature. Similarly with uh, similarly with petrol cars, sim- it's going to be that kind of thing. This is just a very simple way uh, with minimal, you know, knock-on effects of just correcting the small change. So this isn't a big change. Under load, it's probably going to be just the same. It's just that your car could could just be a little bit noisier at cold at cold start yeah. and, at, and at those lower revs. Other thing is, diesels could use a little bit more red blue yeah. as well. Now there are some there are some that are questioning whether these changes will actually adversely affect vehicles because JLR are at pains to say it's the car's going to be fine it will be just the same it's just we've just had to make these tweaks like you say but, but performance wise it'll be the same but from one of our favorite pressure groups transport and environment there's a chap Greg Archer who says mm-hmm. well yeah, maybe because there is a certain level that a car can't be, that it will start to adversely perform if you reduce the idle down. So without actually knowing, because none of this has happened yet, he is suggesting that it could be an issue. And affect drivability. Yes. Well, it's, it's the thing is, as soon as you release the clutch, it's going to adjust the engine to... The engine to the appropriate levels anyway because that's what modern engines do transport and environment are a bit they're very good at having opinions i think that that's one they're very good at putting a chart out with only some of the information they're very keen yes. on that yes. sort of thing and 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 some of the stuff they have raised in the past has been worthy of investigation and some of it has just been let's get a headline yes this does look a bit like a headline but on the other hand it isn't an automotive news Europe story by Nick yep. Gibbs. Congratulations on the three nominations to News Press Awards there, Nick, if you're listening. Yes, there's quite a few of those. Mm-hmm. There was another story on this kind of line this week from somebody else who was nominated for the News Press Awards, Alex Robbins, mm-hmm. pointing out about the headlong rush to stigmatise diesel coal cars could end up causing more pollution and not less, he says, basically reading the title of the article from The Telegraph. He goes into that and he, he talks on similar ways about the difference between the, the diesels involved in Dieselgate and then actually the, the most modern diesels are um, significantly different from the ones that have caused this the stigmatization. Well, that's, I mean, that is interesting because we've just been talking about JLR because they were part of a press release the last week or the week before that explained how clean their diesels now are. I think it was just last uh, week. And, and incredibly clean, actually, much less than people were anticipating or the standards required. And Well, we've had this. We've talked about that before. It, it is worth investigating these things. If you are in the market for 
a new car and you do a lot of miles, you now have to do some pretty serious investigatory work to work out if if that is a criteria for you, if you are worried about that, then you need to go and work out, you know, how much pollution you will be putting out on a brand new diesel compared to a brand new petrol and the types of pollution. Because I think that's part of the point of Alex's article is that we are we are through our knee-jerk reaction of hating all diesels, we are replacing one pollution with another pollution. No pollution is good. Which is exactly what happened before. No, none of these pollutions are, are, are good in any way. Don't get me wrong. But we are now going to increase our CO2, as we mm. have seen has already happened. We're going to increase CO2, yeah. which causes... God, now this sounds really horrific, but does that... I think the CO2 issues cause more problems to more people than the... You're not going to win this one, mate. No, I mean, like I said earlier, neither of these are good. This is the problem. This is exactly the problem. So there isn't a better pollution, but so therefore there can't be one that's worse. But I think more people will be impacted (laughs) by CO2, because that is a global thing, as opposed to particulates in the air, which obviously get worse in concentrated areas like urban city areas yes <sighs> sort of dug myself out of that <laughs> sort of maybe kind <laughs> sort of yes uh but we've had this kind of discussion before about uh there was a test with bmw and peugeot and mercedes diesels mm. as well which showed just how far below the thresholds they actually were if you took the latest yeah. ones uh, yeah so you really you re- what i'm saying is you really need to look at the the, the facts and figures and work out which of those you are happiest to to be producing because you will be producing something unless you're yes. a pure EV or a pure hydrogen vehicle. And even then you've got to decide what type of energy, yep. where that energy comes from in the first place. And it goes right back to source, everyone. Uh, and it's, it's definitely not easy. No, it's not. It's not. And it's emotive as well. Right, mm-hmm. uh, an article that got thrown in at the last second because it's only just just been uh, just been known, as in when we were recording this fifty two minutes ago, it was published by Jalopnik. <laughs> we are very close to singeing our fingers. This is so hot off the press, but the Porsche yes. nine eleven GT two RS, right? Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is going back into production. Because there was a cargo ship heading towards Mexico with a bunch of them on it that sank with them on it. So they now need to... Well, it caught fire and sank. It did it in a quality manner. Proper sinking. It wasn't just, oh, we got a bit damp and a bit too much water came in. <laughs> it went full full bore to sinking. They've, they've had to do another production run with, for the people who, who, mm-hmm. need, who have ordered these cars, which is... Well, I mean, I'm very happy for the owners and very jealous. <laughs> it is. It's, it's just so unusual. There were other cars in, involved, Audi A3, A5, RS4s, RS5s, Q7s, a whole bunch of other Porsche as well. But but yes, they've, they're they restarting it to, to build four replacement GT2 RSs, mm. which is quite cool, I think. It is. That is that is excellent mm-hmm. news. And I... We don't normally talk about people starting to produce cars, but... Producing them from the second time, we, we feel, is worthwhile. That's that's a heck of a reason, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think that's about um, the time for Not Guilt Minute. 
it probably is about halfway through. Yeah, it's not Guilt Minute again this week uh, because it's another chance uh, to remind you that you can win one of five awesome prints from Space Suit Media. Uh, we've got a bunch of answers in already. So, uh, so yeah, five with five prints up for grabs, you, you've still got a pretty good chance of winning in there. It's, it's not the national lottery we're talking about here. Uh, in order to win one of them, uh, don't forget that you can. You have to answer the following question. So the question is, which Formula E driver asked Shiv Gohil to shoot his wedding? That's which Formula E driver asked Shiv Gohil to shoot his wedding? Now, if you don't know the answer to that straight away, then you can find it in Shiv's rear view, uh, which was out almost two yes. weeks ago now. So do go back listen to that and you will find the answer if you don't know it already the closing date is next monday at 5 p.m uh uk time gmt okay uh, and then uh, just before the recording on tuesday we'll draw five names randomly from a hat if we have a hat to hand um and we will announce them at this kind of time yes. Next Tuesday show. So remember, the question is, which Formula E driver asked Shiv Gohil to shoot his wedding? And the answer is in Shiv's rear yes. view. Oh, oh, I forgot the other bit. I knew there was a third thing I had to say. That's how you enter. <laughs> if you enter, go to motoringpodcast.com. Well, you weren't much use. You were all ready to move on to the next story. So you might as well quit with that attitude. Enter, go to the contact page at motoringpodcast.com, fill it in, uh, fill in the contact form there, and then the answer will come straight to us, along with all the quality, uh, all the quality detail that you will have told us about how we can get in touch with you. Right, now I have covered all the points I needed to cover there. Let's move on and talk about Formula E. Because this, this weekend, is Sanya. I've now lost it because I moved stuff around. Yes, thank you. The Sanya Epri. Where the heck is Sanya? I hear you cry. Uh, Sanya is in China. It's in mainland China because I had to look it up earlier on. It's got that man-made, got one of those man-made islands, I think, just off the coast from where it is. Right. Um, you know, a, a bit like the Dubai one that's in the, the palm... Yes, it's, the it's that tree, sort of thing. Yeah. You can see that in the, mm-hmm. I think it's the FIA Formula E's official page. Yes, it is. It's actually the little header there, right underneath, uh, right underneath the local time. The link that will be in the show notes will take you through all the different ways and all the different times you can watch it. And remember that because it's in China, it's an early morning mm-hmm. race. But also. Because that's the official FIA Formula E website, there is a drop-down menu. So if you are listening to us and you don't happen to be in the UK, thank you very much for doing so, then you can find your country in that drop-down menu and you'll be able to select, you'll be able to get how you can watch it where you are, which I know, um, we know we do have people who watch the Formula E and listen to us and they're not from, they're not in the UK. This is very true. That's how we are the, let's choose one at random, the 55th most popular automotive podcast in the United Arab Emirates. Excellent. There you go. 58th in Argentina, 
35th in Egypt. Wow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, if you do follow the link to that page, <laughs> that page, it gives you all the different ways uh, that you can watch in whichever country you're in. The race itself is from 6.30 to 8.30 a.m. for here in the UK on Saturday morning. Mm. There's also going to be a link to a tweet from Chris Stevens or at Chris on Racing, where he's got a picture of the uh, track and they've announced where the attack zone is already. Yeah, kind of early. I think they got quite a lot of criticism uh, in Mexico and Hong Kong. So I think they're trying to mitigate that. Yeah, I'd, I'd asked about that because they, they've now changed. Because when the season started, they weren't going to tell people till an hour before because they were worried mm. about people just running simulations and and letting a computer mm-hmm. decide. But they seem to have relaxed that significantly because they're now telling everyone in the the start of the week before it. <laughs> Remember, these are the first. This is the first sport to introduce this kind of this kind of thing. So it it's a learning yeah, curve, absolutely. And it's good to see they're being reactive because obviously comments have come in. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Obviously, comments have come in that have said, "Look, this isn't working for us because of X Y Z." So then they've they've relaxed that and they're they're adapting it as they go along. And that that's that's one of the things I really like about Formula E is the people doing it in charge of it and running it clearly listen so yes that, that's excellent there is also going to be a link to an article talking about nissan and their powertrain which is from our from our favorite new favorite e-racing 365 this is really interesting mm. this article and i say that because i'm a complete and total nerd of course uh, but one of the things about Nissan is remember that almost most of the formula e cars look the same the transmissions are actually different or can be different. The thing about this is that there's a regulation. There's two parts to this. It, but there's two motors in the in the Nissan setup. The regulations say that any gearbox used can have a maximum of six ratios. Now, the fun here is that the, the gearbox in the Nissan Formula E cars is an epicyclic gearbox so it's a version of a continuously variable transmission. So it can have whatever gears they want, really. Uh-huh. But more than, but even more than that, one of the other things they're looking into here is the fact that that epicyclic, if you know how epicyclic gearboxes work, then they've got sort of three gears in the middle, another gear around the outside. I spared you all the details of this whenever we did the Toyota. <laughs> Uh, whenever we did the Toyota... Um, it's not like you to save us a, a full description of a gearbox, Alan. <laughs> I decided it went a bit long. I decided the whole thing was going a bit long, and that was the bit that we lost. So, But the thing is that that outer gear and stuff, then it can act a bit like a flywheel, which is not allowed because it's additional energy storage. And the thing is that that can't go through the power sensor. So that extra power cannot be counted. Ooh. That's cunning. Because it's it's after the sensor. So vehicles, one of the things is, is some drivers have been observing from behind the way that, that some of these, the, the way that Nissans can uh, get out of corners in a way that seems unusual because they seem to have an extra reserve of power there. But whenever the telemetry is looked at, that doesn't necessarily show as well. <laughs> that's uh, that's um, fan turbine esque clever. That is, I like. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's wonderful. If that is the case or not, 
and whether it's legal or not, it's if it's there, it's definitely not legal. But it's wonderful thinking, and this is why this is why racing is is so cool because there's so many clever engineers doing so much clever yeah, stuff. That is, uh, and whatever you think of this, and it does sound a bit chancery, mm. but I I love it. I, I love the idea that they've gone. Oh, who the heck you think? Well, if we use an epicyclic gearbox, it will be uh, it'll be just like a yeah. it'll be just like that a is, that is cool, fabulous that's stuff. Cool. So, yep, that's yeah. Worth keeping an eye on that because that's quite yes, great. that'll be interesting because if they they are found to have breached some sort of regulation, that'll make quite mm. a dent to their car because I would imagine they get a penalty because they've had to change gearbox, but they'll have to go to a more traditional gearbox, which potentially they might have to buy someone else could else's, hamper uh, their performance quite seriously. It's not like they've been monstrously miles ahead at the pointy end either, is it? Well, that's it. Nobody is. And they're reckoning that any six drivers from six different teams could end up mm. on pole uh, this week. Of course, it's a new circuit, so everyone knows the circuit as well as everyone else. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it looks and see see if it's a bit wider than Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically anything can be wider than Hong Kong. <laughs> that was that was like yeah, <laughs> dropping Formula E cars down a hose pipe. Yeah. <laughs> Right, we are already on to the lunchtime read. Um, it's not a superbly happy lunchtime read, but it's an incredibly interesting one. Now, this the article yeah. is from the Arizona Central website, and it is titled, Who is really at fault in fatal Uber crash? Here's the whole story. And they map out. They do, they've effectively done a timeline of what happened. Leading up to the accident during the accident and since then to the point where the as we discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago there are no criminal charges being brought by i think it was the state police mm-hmm. or the state uh, so, yeah. state prosecutor could have been um I, sorry i can't remember exactly which one it was but anyway at state level they're not doing anything and handed it back to the sheriff the county sheriff which Seemed a bit of a cop out, mm. to be honest. <laughs> and there's there's lots of questions still from that from that action and why nothing is being done on that. But this this is a really worthy read, and it and it brings up some really interesting points for us all to consider, uh, especially with the drive for and pun is intended there, but the drive for autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. And the, this is a, an incredibly clear demonstration of cause and effect. Thanks for Ian Ian Wright for of Both Hand Drive podcast for for highlighting this one to us earlier. Absolutely, it's a, it was a very it's a very good article. Thoroughly recommend you read it. It's it's one that will make you think. Yes, there's a follow on from that as well, which again I don't want to go through, and that's why it's not list of the week, uh, but it's on the drive. Again, links to both of these in the show notes. It's on the, dr- the drive by, by Ed Niedermeyer, and it's about the 10 lessons from Uber's fatal self-driving car crash. I didn't intend on having both of these, uh, but one came up and then the other one came up pretty much. <laughs> if, you, you, if you use the first one from our, the Arizona Central as a primer, and that starts to make you consider things and then read Ed's in the drive, that really gets you to gets the grey matters going, and 
And hopefully we'll start conversations on this topic. Everybody knows I'm, um, I have reservations, I think is the polite way to put it, with regards to autonomous vehicles and the way they are being deployed, even at this early stage and the hype around them. And there is a lack of conversation about this. And I, I'm desperate for there to be a conversation, not shouting, not screaming at each other on Twitter and stuff. Actual proper conversations where people discuss the concerns that both sides have. And, you know, there are a lot of them are legitimate, but let's cut through the, the hype. Let's cut through the marketing spiel and get down to reality as one of the points that Ed makes is that has to happen for Ed's point to be borne out. And, and you guys have just got the slimmed down version of that particular chat because I, I got about 10 minutes of it before yes, we started. He did. He's bearing up well on under it. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think so. So, yeah, sorry. It's a little bit It's a little bit uh, autonomous vehicle uh, heavy in, in the after the gap, uh, after the gap tonight. We think that all of Europe's automotive PRs are basically in the sort of post-Geneva hiding under a duvet in a darkened room, not speaking to anyone or wanting to say anything. Yes, I think their hangover happened a week later than normal this year. Well, yeah, because there was French, uh, you know, there was lots of uh, Central European um, school holidays and and, and holiday weeks just there. So So I I think people have had a delayed negative reaction (laughs) to everything that went on. So it, so it is yeah, quite normally quiet. This is the week straight after straight after Geneva Press is so quiet, and then the week after it gets busier again. We're expecting more stories yeah. next week, hopefully less involving courts. But and finally, yes, yes. Um, you said a hat tip before to someone pointing out. Um, well, I have to hat tip to Nick Appleton for tweeting out a link to a YouTube video, and it is how to pronounce Kuntash. We we felt that we would expand from the two words that Porsche have given us to help pronounce, <laughs> that we would see that there are other Gee, cars yeah. out there that may need help being pronounced. So, And I had no idea that this car, when I, when I threw this into our collective bin of articles to discuss or possibly discuss when it comes to recording, I did not realise that the Grand Tour was going to do a head-to-head between Kuntash and Ferrari Testarossa, so... Yeah, I have issues with last week's Grand really? Tour. Yeah. Okay. We'll discuss them later then. Yeah, people can guess what the issues are. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, people are still disagreeing with whether or not this is the correct pronunciation of that well-known Lamborghini's name. Yep. So go and have a little listen, and then you let us know whether you agree with this pronunciation. But that's mm-hmm. how I'd say it. That doesn't mean anything. You've heard me try and pronounce people's names. That's, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> We've just been talking yeah. about how yeah. <laughs> we've been banned from Japan now from murdering their language. Speak for yourself, mate. Speak for yourself. Well, I am because I, I struggle to speak for anyone else. <laughs> so I've spent my day – I'm sure you'll end up cutting this. I've spent my day translating Italian to English. I don't speak Italian. So, uh, so yes, uh, goodness knows how my pronunciation of things is compared to what it actually means. So next week, if Alan is taken, is actually in prison for having <laughs> said improper words and gets arrested. Well, hopefully I haven't typed improper words. That's what matters. Uh, right. 
parish note. Uh, the philosopher was going to say there should be a rear view on Friday. Fingers crossed. If technology works on Thursday, yes, there will be. Uh, but it may. It, it, there's there's a chance it won't be out very first thing, but it will be out on Friday. Excellent. Uh, don't forget there was a last week we did the Geneva Roundtable Special Edition, so you can still catch up on that. Congratulations to Rachel Bogie for being nominated in News Press. With, we we seem to know so many people, and well done to Free Car Magazine as well. Yes, Free Car Mag and Banganomics and uh, John Musk yep. as well. Loads of people. Well done, everyone who got nominated uh, in there. Brilliant. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this week. Quite a bit shorter than normal, despite our waffling. Uh, but don't forget, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, please don't forget about our Patreon, uh, which is available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. Please, please leave a review, rating on Apple Podcasts, or how, however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, to correct your pronunciation, how can people get in touch with you? If you want to get in touch with me and tell me how to speak, the best way is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you will find me there. And Alan, if people want to get in touch with you and say that actually he's got a wonderful voice for radio, what is the best way for them to get in touch and tell you that wonderful news? Yes, if you want to tell me that Andrew has a wonderful face for radio, then uh, <laughs> then you can do that via Twitter where I'm at AJP Bradley. B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.